0: do you long for deeper intimacy with god in the sermon on the mount jesus teaches us how to build our relationship with him let's join the brookwood care pastors in this series when you pray
1: Well, hey, welcome to another episode of the Care Ministries podcast here at Brookwood Church, and we are glad that you are here to join us. And my name is Gene Beckner. I'm the care pastor here at Brookwood, along with the Joshua J Masters. Here I am. And glad to be here. Doug Wildman. Howdy. And we have another Josh at the helm, helping us with awesome production, Mr. Taylor.
2: We appreciate you.
1: We do. Wouldn't happen without you. So uh, today is uh, week two, or this week is uh, week two of uh, our series about when we pray. And just to kind of recap last week, um, we are in Matthew 6, and we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking uh, to the the crowd about uh, how to pray. And, and really how to be in relationship with God. And he makes an interesting comment several times in the beginning of, of chapter 6 uh, with the words, When you pray, which is where the the name of the series came from. And, um, and we kind of went into uh, last week, we ended last week, where he said, you know, don't babble on uh, as the Gentiles do, uh, thinking that their prayers are answered because they repeat their words over and over again. And he makes an interesting comment, which I think is a good good place to kind of jump off into today, which is, you know, he says, "Look, your father," and so uh, I think Josh made a reference to it last week. The the relational aspect of of deity, as opposed to, you know, a god like a Artemis or a Zeus who's way off in the distance. This was uh, this was family. You know, mm-hmm. he says, "Hey, your your father knows what you need even before you ask." And so then he gives us the instructions. Um, pray like this, and then we are familiar. A lot of us are familiar with the the Lord's Prayer, uh, which begins in verse nine. And so Josh, you're gonna you're gonna kind of start us off today about how this, how we can contextualize it, and how we can kind of bring it close to us.
2: So most people know how. What we call the Lord's Prayer starts, and in the NLT it says, Our Father in heaven, first Jesus says, pray like this. That's the beginning of verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Probably a lot of people know it as our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, but no one on, knows what that means. Nobody knows what that means. But I say so, it, right? It's yeah. nice to have the NLT <laughs> yeah. that says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept Holy. So in the verses that we covered last week, it was very much about removing the I when you're Mm -hmm. praying, right? It was about taking your own desire and your own wants for a a reward out of the context and not focusing on you. Mm -hmm. So then who are you supposed to focus on? And that's how this prayer starts. It starts with, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So here's the struggle with our relationship with God, or this is what I struggle with. Maybe you guys don't struggle with it. But there's a balance between the relationship that we talked about last week and the reverence for God as a holy God. So in the first line, we have our Father in heaven, and that is emphasizing the relationship, just like you just said, Gene. It's not a distant God. It's it's family. There's a family relationship. But then Within that same sentence, it's, may your name be kept holy. Mm -hmm. So where is the balance between relationship and reverence? And I think one of the things that we have to remember when we pray, and I think one of the things that this passage is pointing out to us, is that when we come before God, there is supposed to be an intimacy. But that intimacy is not necessarily supposed to be casual. We're not supposed to take that for granted. So there's an intimacy, but it shouldn't be casual. The title father, even the title father, which does insinuate relationship and it does show family and it does show our relationship with with the father, it's still a sign of authority. It's only in recent years in our society, the last, you know, 40, 50 years, that we have sort of lost the meaning and the respect and the authority of what the word father really means. Men have in our society have sort of abdicated their role as the leader. And we talked about that in the marriage series as well. And society has sort of perpetuated this idea that the father is not really that important. And fathers have— bought into that and abdicated their role. So even the sense of the word father really should have a sense of authority and reverence and um, a positional role in addition to the relationship role. But then certainly in the next sentence where it talks about God's name being holy, are we coming before God recognizing his sovereign role as God? Or has our relationship with him become super casual? which I think happens a lot in American Christianity. But if you look at Scripture, that is not how we're supposed to approach God. When you look at Moses, he approaches the burning bush, and God speaks to him, and he's told, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And he has to kneel before God. And even the ground that he's on is considered holy, right? And even in the New Testament, we see... Uh, In Philippians 2.12, where it says, work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And other translations say fear and trembling. And you're going to hear some preachers say that fear means, oh, just respect. But it's more than that. The, The Greek word that's used really means actual fear. Now, that doesn't mean we should be afraid that God won't save us or that he won't fulfill his promises, but there is a fear of his power and strength. Look at what Luke wrote. This is another one of those passages that you don't see hanging up in people's kitchens, but but it's a real passage. Luke 12, 4 through 5 says, "'Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear.'" Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. That's a powerful verse. We are not meant, even in God's grace, to take his power for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a major point of this prayer, that even Jesus is praying. And you even see Jesus approach the Father in that way in his prayer to Gethsemane. He has awe and reverence for the Father, even though he himself is God. So when we are approaching, are we only looking at the relationship grace aspect, or are we also coming before God with an acknowledgement of his position as God with fear and trembling? Are we truly seeing him as a holy God in a position of authority? And that sets up really the rest of the prayer.
1: And one thing too about that where it says, may your name be kept holy, you know, holy being set apart, you know, it's different than all the other small g's, you know, that the – and again, even the the Jews will not put the vowels, Mm -hmm. you know, in the name. They won't write the name, you know. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that Jesus is putting a huge contrast here between his father, whose name should be kept apart, versus all the other gods that the people of the day would worship, including the one that didn't have a name. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the 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 unknown unknown God. The unknown God. It was like, you know, they were all kind of clumped together. And he's saying, hey, look, this is the very fact that that Jehovah or that God is set apart and is holy ought to give us, as you're saying, Josh, a, a, a cause to kind of pause for a moment and go, well, wait a minute. You know, this is different. He's different. He's not just like every other small G God. This is, you know, the God of the universe. Right.
2: So once the prayer or this model for prayer, because it wasn't really designed to be a prayer on its own, but to be a model for prayer. Once it identifies who we're speaking to, it continues speaking on his authority with his kingdom. And I know, Doug, you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm uh, looking at thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth,
0: which we've all kind of memorized, or at least most of us have. Um, I like the way that the uh, the message puts it. It says, set the world right do what's best. Um, so when we ask God to set the world right, what we're doing is we're declaring two things. The first one is that our lives, our perspective on life is limited. Um, so that that affects the way that we pray. Um, because we have a limited perspective, we don't always really know what's best for us. So I think an appropriate prayer is to ask God Lord, I don't really understand what's happening here. I I don't have a full perspective. Would you help me to understand and have your mindset? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that that's perfectly acceptable. I one of my favorite passages in the in the Bible is Job chapter thirty-eight, and I always I don't know why I always picture you know from that scene from the Wizard of Oz with the with the Wizard going Silence, Whipper Snapper. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know that's probably not exactly the way that it uh, – That must be the Canadian version. You've just yeah. ruined Job 38 <laughs> I'm for sorry. everybody who listens <laughs> to this no, podcast. Uh, it's the, that, that part where he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Mm. Um, and then he, he says things like, have you seen the gates of deep darkness or uh, where the way to the dwelling of light is? And he never really answers Job's question you know job is like god i don't understand where are you and he's he just leaves it because he doesn't need to give an answer right you know job knows that there's really nothing left to say because he's left with oh right you know i i have a limited perspective that's the first thing i think we need to we need to kind of keep in mind jesus also illustrates this next point and that is that what he's saying is, set the world the way that you see is best. So what that what that's basically saying is, not only am I coming from a limited perspective, not only am I um, basically not always knowing what is best for me, but I'm also saying, God, I give you the permission to set things right the way that you see it as being right. Um, Jesus gave... I mean, we, we have an example from his life, probably stands out better than any other illustration that we could come up with. And it's Luke uh, 22, 41 through 42, where he withdrew um, from the disciples about a, a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, please do. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So what we're saying is God is in control He's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. The alternative is that he's not. So when we have these bad things happen and we don't understand what's going on, is God in the center of that? You better believe that he is. Otherwise, we're left with saying that God is not all of those things. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing and all-loving. So we can say in the midst even of difficulty and trials that things pass through the fingers of God in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to make light of the suffering of people. But we always have to maintain that God is good. I think bottom line, God is good. We don't always understand, but we can trust him. We can trust him even in the midst of difficult times. So I think that those those are a, a central theme in this idea, God
2: Set the world right. Do what is best. And I like the word kingdom, the fact that the actual text uses the word kingdom because even that shows God's authority as king, right? He's yeah. It's not your – we said this in our meeting the other day when we were discussing this. It doesn't say may your democracy come where I get a vote. Right. It says may your kingdom come. Yes. Right, which is about his sovereignty and his power and – and his right to make the decisions. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think we're, you know, that, that concept is, is not, you know, one that we are, um, that we have positive um, examples from in our own history. Because I mean, I can remember like being in school and you would study kings. And kingdoms, and they mm-hmm. were usually bad kings. They were, usually, I mean, even in the Bible, you have many kings. Mm-hmm. You know, Saul being one of them that aren't that aren't good. And so, it's interesting that here's Jesus again, kind of bumping up against what maybe our experiences were, um, what our preconceived notions are, and saying, "Hey, here's how you should pray," and like what you're saying, Doug. Here's why, mm-hmm. and then. I think to add to it, you know, it it says, you know, may your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a that's a good place to to kind of land for today because, you know, even people who don't consider themselves believers believe in heaven. You know, now they may believe the way to get there is not necessarily right, but. This concept. I mean, some people believe, okay, when I die, that's it, and you know, there is no more. I have no consciousness, and but most people believe, and most religions of the world believe in some sort of afterlife where, you know, there's a nirvana, there's a place to go,
2: yeah, where you continue,
1: yeah. And so, mm-hmm. it's perfect. You know, the Bible references heaven several times. You know, we're gonna get new bodies. You know, we're never gonna be hungry. We're not gonna be thirsty. We're not gonna need to. We're not gonna need to sleep. So this this idea that hey God may you may make heaven on earth like that's something to really consider mm. and it really almost puts whatever you're bringing to Him in a little bit of a different perspective because it's not like God doesn't have the resources available to answer my prayer yes you know it's not like I'm I'm hoping you know it's not like He's a ATM that's gonna have insufficient funds when I try to make a
2: withdrawal.
1: Mm. You know, sometimes we don't understand why he doesn't answer the way that we want. But I think if we can set a baseline of he like Doug said, he's all knowing, he's all powerful, he's good, he is love, he's holy, he is deserving of of my reverence, but he's my dad. Mm-hmm. And his resources are unlimited, so even if I ask God for something, and you know, I'm sure we could all talk about people that we've, uh, you know, tr- helped over the years who have been like, well, I don't really want to bother God, or, you know, it's not that important to him, or, uh, you know, there are people around the world that need it more. It's not like when God answers your prayer that he runs out of something, right? You know, he's he's infinite, so. I think Jesus does a does an awesome – of course Jesus does an awesome job, but he does an awesome <laughs> job here with telling the people, hey, you should be praying for God's will on earth the way that it is in heaven. Like hopefully that spurs us on to go, what's heaven like? Because it's not a democracy like Josh said. It's a king, but he's an all-loving king. He's a good king. He's a king that has our best interests, and he has the ability – to help us. It's not like he's not going to help us. I mean, he's going to take care of us. And so it really does shift. If we go into a prayer like this, it shifts where our focus is. Yep. And it comes away from, like the message says, it comes away from us and it goes more towards him. Mm -hmm. Like you might just stay there. You may never get to the prayer because you are in gratitude towards God. And you may have an experience with God just from that part. And if you get that part
2: right, the rest of the prayer that we'll go over over the next few weeks like becomes natural because it goes back to the relationship piece where you're acknowledging the fear and reverence of God's power. But – This idea of surrendering your will for His is about trust, and that's a relationship issue. I was just
0: thinking about the children of Israel and how they begged for a king. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, no, this is what we want. No, it really is not what you want. Trust me. Um, No, this is what we want. Okay, I'll I'll give you what you've asked for. Um, And sometimes I wonder if we can be that way. You know, it's like, be careful what you ask for. Because God has the eternal perspective, we have a very limited perspective. And so uh, I think if we go right from the the get-go and we, we come to God and say, God, just like Jesus, I'm not this is my will, but not my will, but yours be done, I think we,
2: we can't lose. And Jesus did, though, in that prayer of Gethsemane that you're referencing, he did – Petitioned the Father for what he wanted, yes, but ultimately surrendered to what God's will was. So there is a way to petition for what is your will, Absolutely. so long as you're willing to surrender your will, and that's what we'll get into next week.
1: All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's take Jesus at His word, and let's pray to our Father the way that He has taught us. Hmm. We'll, we'll end. Father, thank you for uh, being who you are. Lord and and we praise you for um, being holy Lord I pray that you will teach us how to how to keep your name holy how to keep it separate and and give it the um, glory that it deserves and father we do pray for your kingdom to be here on earth and Lord we're thankful that uh, that we're your children and Lord that you invite everybody to be a part of your family and so Lord, I pray if there's anyone that's listening to this that is unsure of whether they um, have that relationship with you, Lord, that they would um, uh, reach out to someone and and get that confirmation. And maybe they need help with those steps and understanding what it is to accept Jesus as Savior. And uh, Lord, we just look forward to the weeks to come as we continue to explore the uh, this prayer that that Jesus uh, outlined for us. And it is in Jesus' name that we make these prayers. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. If we can be an encouragement for you as you grow in your prayer life, or if you would just like to connect with us at Brookwood Care Ministries, you can call us at 864-688-8355. Or you can visit us at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash care.
2: Yeah. yeah, you want to hand it off to Doug? Oh, yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And so now it transitions from our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, and continues in the next verse with a focus on God and his kingdom. So Don— <laughs> 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 what's your name Don <laughs> Don did you say Don